Our reading is taken from Romans chapter 6, verse 5 to 11. And it says, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Now we looked about uh, last week concerning the sorry last time that is last week concerning the impossibility of someone going to continue sinning. And Paul starts the argument that what shall we say then? I would continue sin that grace may abound. And it goes into this exposition of why it is impossible that we have been immersed into Christ, we have been immersed into his death, into his burial, and into his resurrection, his death, and we are to walk in the newness of life. Now, this uh, passage here starts with the word for. What does the for indicate? It seems like Paul is, what's this section 5 to 11 basically is doing again is that. Paul is now, is like a repetition, this number, uh, verse 5, is like a repetition of what he's saying in verse 4 and verse 3. It's like a repetition, but it goes even further in this our verse, from year to 11. It goes further in expanding what he's saying. So, he's now saying that, for if we have become united, with him in the likeness of his death, certainly also will be of his resurrection. Now, we have seen the four. The four simply means because. How can we how can we be sure that we have been buried with him through baptism so that as Christ be raised from the dead, we too might walk in the newness of life? How can we show be sure that we might we will walk in the newness of life? That's what Paul is expounding here. He says, Because if we have been united with him, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, I've explained what the four means. The who are the we? The we are simply the ones that he has been saying all throughout the beginning. That what shall we say? Are we to continue in saying that grace may abound? Those who are under the reign of grace and not uh, under the reign of uh, death, but those who are under the reign of righteousness, those who are in Christ, those are the we. That Paul is talking about here. Those people who are of the faith. So he goes on saying, if we have become united with him. So it means that we have a union with Christ. That's what he's saying here. In Christ, basically, when you are immersed with him, there's a kind of union, there's a kind of association, a very, very deep union that you have with him. That you are not in him, inside him. That's where you may be found. So now, it goes on in the likeness of his death. Why does he use this word, in the likeness of his death? Because of, uh, it's a kind of similarity. Uh, 
is a kind of similarity with he's trying to say that we had a similarity with his death but not identical that's what the kind of difference is trying to make here it's just like uh, when uh, paul says in uh, verse uh, romans chapter 5 verse 14 he says nevertheless death reigned from adam unto moses even over those who had sinned in the likeness of the offense of adam who had not sinned sorry in the likeness of the offense of adam who is a type of him who was to come so the likeness of the offense of adam is that the way adam didn't know anything and he failed disobeyed god and everything that is none of us had that opportunity to even sin in that likeness anymore so all of us inherited the sin nature basically so now paul goes on to say the same thing we have been united with him in the likeness of his death the likeness of his death simply means that we the same way christ died we ourselves died but it's not identical what do i mean by it's not identical basically is this we didn't pass through the suffering and agony he took on the cross that led him to his death. The wrath of God that was poured upon him, we didn't go through that. Everything he faced, the suffering, the crucifixion, the bearing of his cross, we never went through that. So that's why the word likeness is important. We didn't, we didn't go through that. So it's just a kind of similarity. But it's not the same. It's not identical in his death. And he says again that if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death christ died you died in him you you are in him you have been united with him so you are in him his death is part of you and when you were immersed into him in baptism his death became part of you so when you put your faith in jesus christ you begin to be in christ then your water baptism brings that that process of being in christ to a climax and like a seal to it so when you have been immersed with Christ in baptism, you have been united with him in the likeness of his death. Now, it says, it goes on to say, certainly we also, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, basically, what does this mean? It doesn't mean basically of the future resurrection. Because the argument Paul is trying to make here that this is something for the now. This is something that we are to enjoy now. Because we are to walk in the newness of life. It's not We are not going to be walking in the newness of life in the future basically it's not when after we have been resurrected that's when we're going to be walking in the newness of life that's when we are going to have victory over sin so what paul's argument is though this statement certainly includes that future bodily resurrection but the primary way paul is using it here is that if christ died and rose again we ourselves will die and rise in christ so this is like a spiritual sense basically not physical we haven't died yet we haven't been risen yet but in the spiritual sense as christ died we died and we rose again with him so certainly we because we are in the likeness of his death certainly we will be in the likeness of his resurrection and now this also pertains to our future resurrection basically remember in philippians 3 21 it says who will transform the body of our humble state that is the Lord Jesus Christ, into conformity with the body of his glory by the assertion of the power that he has given even to subject all things to himself. So, again, in the likeness of his death, um, the same in the likeness of his resurrection. Another thing we also notice again, Paul also says in the Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, it says, if we 
This is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we also we we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will reign with him. So you see the way Paul's logic basically goes. If you die with Christ, you will also live with him. So if we have been united with this a kind a kind of union in the spiritual sense, we partake of his sufferings in this union. As we suffer with him, we die with him, then we will also be raised with him, basically. So you partake of his sufferings, but it is not identical to the sufferings of Christ. None of us can go through what he went through. So there's that distinction. So if you suffer with him, then you are going to reign, you are going to reign with him. If you live, if you die with him, then you are also going to live with him. So that is what Paul's logic is saying here. So he's saying, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, there are two parts to this statement, basically. In the likeness of his death and the likeness of his resurrection. In verse 6 and verse 7, it explains what the likeness of his death means. What he uh, expands on that statement. Then verse 8, 9, 10, he expands on the likeness of his resurrection, basically. Now, in verse 6, it goes on to say, we go on. We go on knowing this because this is a present continuous tense that Paul uses here. He says, We go on knowing this that our old man, our old man was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be annulled. Now, basically, what is the knowing that is using here? This go on knowing, this is a uh, present continuous tense. It's not a matter of no. This is a present continuous tense. Something that you go on knowing is a, is a, is a fact. So we ask ourselves, when you read the, uh, the, the Paul's epistle, do you know this? Do you know this as a fact? It's not an experiment, uh, experimental knowledge, basically. It's not your uh, experience. But do you actually believe this fact that what Paul is saying here? He says, our old man was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be annulled. The old man, that is the old man. What is the old man basically? The old man is not your uh, your carnal nature with all its propensity and tending to sin. That is not what the old man means. The old man doesn't mean your former self before uh, you, the new birth, before you began to be born again. But what the old man simply means is that old man which was in Adam. That as in Adam, all die, so in Christ all shall live. So that old man, that old man that you were in Adam, that is what Paul is saying here. That is the old man that was crucified with Christ Jesus. So that old man that you were in Adam, everything that that includes, because first of all, the same way you were in Adam, you didn't commit what Adam did basically, but you had a, a certain man in Adam. You had a certain nature in Adam basically, and that is what came out. Now all of us have this tendency to sin basically because of that old man that we inherited from Adam. So Paul is now saying that that old man that inherited from Adam, so those who are in Christ inherit this new man from Christ Jesus. So he says you have been crucified. You have been crucified with, um, with Christ. And that is crucifixion. Basically, our old man was crucified with him on the cross this is, he uses this in the, in the Irish tense that you were once crucified with Christ this is a reality that when Christ was being crucified on the cross your old man that old man which was in Adam was crucified with him on the cross 
in order that our body of sin might be done away so i think basically what the old man also includes is that the body of sin will be done away that body that carries the old man is not our normal flesh that you see in us basically now but that old body that the old man carried the old man the old body of the old man is the body of sin basically the new man is the new man of righteousness let me let me explain this to you from Ephesians 4 22 to Ephesians 4 22 to 24 and it says um, that in reference to your former your former manner of life you lay aside the old says old man which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of this it that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which is the, the likeness of god has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth so that old man corrupted was corrupted in accordance with the lust of this it this new man is created in righteousness and holiness of the truth basically that's what paul is saying so you put off that old man then there's another uh, similar statement in colossians chapter 3 verse 9 9 to 10 Colossians chapter 3 verses 9 to 10 and it says basically is this do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old man with his evil practice and have put on the new man who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him so you see now the old man has the evil practices but there's a new man all this this put on is in the Irish tense the laid aside is in the Irish tense so when you are immersed into Christ the old man has been laid aside with his evil practice you are put on the new man which is being present continuous tense being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him so the one who created this new man is who is Christ is God God is the one who created this new man so this is the new man that we have in Christ Jesus. So we have been crucified. Our old man, the old man which is in Adam, was crucified with Christ. That is gone and done away with. Crucifixion basically leads to death. Some people basically say that uh, this crucifixion means that it takes time. So it doesn't mean that the old man has been finally been crucified. No, I believe that basically what he's saying is that it has actually been crucified because in the Irish tense, in the past tense, in the purpose of it being crucified was that the body of sin might be annulled, might be revoked, might be done away with. That's the purpose, basically. Might be so you we can even say that the body of sin may be destroyed entirely. Uh, and that's in the uh, verse that helps us to see this well again is Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. It says uh, basically now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires so if you are in Christ Jesus the old man has been crucified the flesh has been crucified with his passions and desires
So the 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 Galatians are not told that this has been done for them basically. We are told that the old man has crucified himself. We are not told that the old man has crucified himself, sorry, but that he was crucified, was crucified together with the Lord Jesus. The old man is that man with that old humanity, the man that was born under the law, born in sin, born under condemnation, the man that sinned with Adam and therefore reaped all the consequences of Adam's sin, the man who under the wrath, who was under the wrath and condemnation of God. That man died with Christ, was crucified with him. There is therefore now no condemnation to them now in Christ Jesus. Why? Because I am no longer that man. I am a new man in Christ Jesus. Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. He is the head of the new race. And we are members of this new race. So Paul is saying in effect, do not go on living as if you were still that old man because that old man has died. Do not go on living as if he was still there. Put that off. This is the meaning of putting off the old man and putting on the new man in, that he says in Ephesians 4. So here again, where the old man has been crucified, we have to take that because the body of sin will be, might be annulled. Now, Paul goes on with closing with this. He says, uh, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. He said, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So all these things have been done, so that you will no longer be enslaved to sin. Because the old man is totally enslaved to sin. He's under the dominion of sin. They cannot do anything but sin. You remember Ephesians 6, talking about our former self sorry Ephesians 2 talking about our former selves and it says and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the priest of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the source of disobedience among them we too formerly lived in the lust of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest so you see again how the old man basically is is enslaved to sin. Is dead. There's no nothing he can do about the sin that is within him. There's no victory that he can ever see over sin in their lives. That is the way. That is their. That is their focus. That is the goal. That is like. That is the the destination that they are always going to towards sin, towards depravity, on biggest position. But you yourself, your that your old man has been crucified with Christ. The body of sin has been ignored, has been revoked, it has been destroyed. Katajiu, it has been destroyed. Basically, you are no longer enslaved to sin. No longer enslaved to sin. You have to see that you have victory over sin. Sin is no longer your lord. Sin is no longer your master. And those who have been enslaved to sin, basically, are, are always tending towards death, basically. Death is now the consequence of being enslaved to sin. That is where it leads to. Death is their final most master and final lord. Now, it goes on in the next verse. It says, For the one he who has died is freed from sin. Who is the? Because the one having died has been freed from sin. 
So now, who is this one that is talking about? I believe it's Jesus and us that is talking about. That is the one that having died. It's not talking about Julius, but Jesus himself. So the one that having died has been freed from sin. Basically, when Jesus died, rose again, he could not go through any temptations. He was totally free from sin. He was totally dead to sin. Sin could not come and come and tempt him anymore. That he was done with that and done with that forever. Even though he was perfect, even in his lifetime, but he could not go through any temptations. He was not focusing on sin, focusing on the, the Satan anymore. He has already been delivered, like I said in our past uh, talk. So now, the one having died has been freed from sin. So we too, we have died in Christ. So we too have been freed from sin. It's just uh, to what help us to understand with the statement being made here. It's just like First uh, Peter chapter four, verse one to two. It says, "Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God." So Christ suffered in the flesh, and we who were in, the, in Christ so also suffered in the flesh, being in Christ. In that likeness who suffered in the flesh and Christ who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so we who have suffered in the flesh have also ceased from sin because we are in Christ Jesus so we live the rest of our time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men but for the will of God that's the way we are to live our new life we have been freed totally from the loss of men we are no longer to live our, the rest of our life here for the lost of men, but we have to live for the will of God. So we have died. We have suffered in the flesh. We have been freed from sin. So we have to live for the will of God, basically. That's what he's saying here. Now, So, the next verse, verse 8, it says, Now, if we once died with Christ, we go on believing also that we will live with Him. Now, we once died with Christ. Or you can say, we once died in Christ Jesus. So, if you once died with, in Christ Jesus, you are to go on believing that you will also live in Christ Jesus this is now when it's getting to the experiential part you died in Christ you've died with him you got your facts right that you your old man was crucified with him so the knowing the knowing of this fact that your old man has crucified with him this is where you base your faith on this is where you place your belief on that you know this within yourself that your old man was crucified with him you have been united with him in the likeness of his death so you will be certainly of his resurrection. So now you have gone on that if you have died with Christ, then you are to go on believing that you will live with him also. This is something experiential. You are going to go on living the life that you live. Basically, you are to go on walking in that newness of life. That is the life that is living. 
is no longer living to anybody but living to God. So if you died with Christ, it's, it's inevitable that you are to go on believing that you will live in Him, that you are found in Him and you have His righteousness. No longer the corruption of that old man, no longer the sin of that old man, but you have inherited the righteousness of the new man. The new man that is created in righteousness and holiness of truth. That is the way you are to live. You are to go on believing. You are to go on renewing your mind. Get your where you get your scriptures. You keep on convincing yourself of this fact that your old man, this is fact. Our old man was once crucified with him. The body of sin has been annulled. We are no longer being enslaved to sin. And Paul gets on that. Let's know this fact first. Then we get to the experiential knowledge of all this. And he's saying, if all this is true, then we, we also live with Christ. Basically, that's what he's saying here. Now, we're gone. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. So he says, we know that Christ, having been raised from out of the dead, no more dies. So we see again the fact that we are to believe, this, that we are to know. This is sort of a fact that we are to know. It's not saying that we go on knowing. This is something that has happened. Perfect. That we know. We are so sure. We are convinced of this truth that Christ has been raised out of the dead. This is a fact. So the resurrection is very, very vital to Christianity. Paul says that. If Christ is not raised in 1 Corinthians 15, then you are still in your sins and you are going to be perishing. No one has been freed in, is out of his sins. Your faith is vain. And Paul says in, in Romans again too, he says, uh, Therefore, having Christ been raised from death, then we can be justified. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then it is not possible for you to be justified. It's not possible for Christ's righteousness to be imputed to you without you Christ being raised. So you have to convince yourself of the fact. You read all the scriptures about the resurrection and know this about the fact. Go through the Gospels. What, what did they say about the resurrection? What did they say about the truth of the resurrection? You have to be convinced. Some people say the resurrection is where basically something that we can do about whether Christ was raised or was not raised. We are not concerned. Some believers, the uh, the unbelievers think Christ was not raised. There are some believers that are not concerned. They don't see the importance of the resurrection. But we have to be convincing ourselves that the resurrection is important. It's an essential of the Christian faith. Because if the resurrection never happens, you are dead in your sins. You have not been freed from your sins. You have not been liberated from the bondage of sin. So the resurrection is the basis by which we know if Christ has been raised out from the dead, he no more dies. This is totally different from those who have been uh, uh, there. They use the term resuscitated. Basically, that all those, the Lazarus, basically, they were raised out of the dead. But when they were raised out of the dead, they basically died again. But this Christ's resurrection is totally different. He died totally. And he rose out of the dead. So you have to be convinced of this fact. If you rose out of the dead, there is no more dying again. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Everyone who was resurrected in the past, they, 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 won, they died again 
Lazarus, those ones that came out of the tomb when Jesus was, uh, died on the cross, those ones that came out of the tomb, they all died again. The only ones that, the only person that has been resurrected and never to die again, it's Christ. So we have to convince ourselves of this truth. So now, if Christ has been raised of the dead, no more dies, then death is no longer his Lord. Death is no longer his Lord. So the same thing about us, death is no longer our Lord because we are those who are enslaved to sin. Death is their Lord. We are no longer enslaved to sin. So death is no longer our master. Death is no longer being our curious. As Christ, death is no longer his, uh, his Lord. We too, because we have died in Christ, death is no longer our Lord. You remember Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 15, concerning sin and death. He said in a, in a sweet hymn, in verse 55, it says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The thing of death is sin. And now we are no longer enslaved to sin. We, the power of sin, is the law. And we are no longer under the law, but under grace. Which Paul is going to expand later in this, uh, in this uh, uh, chapter sign we not being under the law so we have to go on believing this fact that death is no longer our lord not is the present continuous tense the people who are enslaved to sin death is being their lord that is the direction that they are going to is their master and inevitably living in sin being enslaved to sin dominion sin having dominion over you inevitably leads to you going to go and meet your master, which is death. But we now, that has been transformed from that reign of sin to the reign of righteousness, that we are enslaved to righteousness, we are slaves of righteousness, basically. Death is not our master, but life is our master. Life is being our Lord. Because Christ has given us the victory. We have that victory over death in Christ Jesus. So life is being our master. That's why Paul could say, if we have died in Christ, then we go on believing that we will live in Him. Now, because the death he once died to sin, he died at once for all. That death Christ died to sin, he died at once for all. Once, that is when he died. He didn't die twice. He didn't go on dying for everyone individually. No, he died once for all, for everyone. Everyone who will ever be in Christ, everyone who will ever be immersed in Christ, have all partake of the death, which he died, one, died to save once for all. So Christ died to sin once for all. So we ourselves died to sin once for all. And Paul says this death that he died, he died to sin. It died to sin. It died to sin. It died to the power of sin. It died to the penalty of sin. 
the guilt of sin and everything on that cross. So the sin, the guilt of sin is taken away. The penalty of sin is taken away. He bore the whole wrath of God on the cross for our sins and took away that wrath for us to be able to be justified. So Christ died to the penalty of sin. That is why you are being able to justify to be justified. He took that wrath of God on the cross upon himself. So that is the part of the death to sin that he died for us. So he also died to the guilt of sin. Now you are no longer to be under that guilt of sin that um, that sin will be having over bondage over you. That you know of the truth of your forgiveness. The thing is basically all of us in the, in this lifetime will go on in this life. There are some people who live in the guilt of their sin. They live under the condemnation of their sin, basically. That they don't think that God has forgiven their sins, so they go on thinking over their past life. But this death that Christ died to sin, paid for the penalty of sin, died to the guilt of sin. So that guilt of sin is taken away when you are immersed into Christ. And that's why uh, uh, Peter could say, baptism is an appeal to God for a clean conscience. So God gives you a clean conscience that you may go on walking in the newness of life. So that is the basic thing that we have to see about ourselves. That he died to sin once for all for every man. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. You see now, in contrast to him dying to sin, he is not living to God. So once you die to sin, you no longer live to sin. It's totally impossible for you to live to sin or live in sin. You are to live your life to God. That is the way we all live our lives now. We are to live our life totally to God. We are alive to God. It says in the first Corinthians, uh, sorry, not first Corinthians, Ephesians 2 again. It says, But God, we being rich in mercy, with the grace, with his great love which he loved us, even when we are dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Made us alive together with Christ. So you yourself, you have been made alive together with Christ. And the life Christ lived is living to God. That is the way Christ lived. is totally in submission to God. Is in the Lord's presence. Is no longer focusing on what to do for man. Or totally uh, uh, focusing on how to pay for our sins, on our sufferings and everything. His life is totally in submission to the for God the Father. And that is the same way. Us who are in Christ Jesus, all who have been united in Christ Jesus, us who have this union in Christ Jesus, who are to live our lives in focus to our Father who is in heaven. That is the way we are to look up to Him in this our earthly life. It says, as I said that other time, I says, He who has suffered in the flesh now should no longer live their life to the lust of men, but should live their life to the will of God. The will of God is to do and obey His commandments. The will of God has been revealed in the scriptures. And so Christ is no longer living, no longer dying to sin, is not living to the will of God. So it's inevitable. That those who are in Christ Jesus should also live according to the will of God. 
That's why Christ says, it's not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, who enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not everyone who calls me Lord or Master, but it's those who do the will of my Father in heaven that will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if you are in Christ, you are be given the power to do the will of the Father. You are given the power to live to the will of the Father, no longer to live in sin. No longer to live as if you are in dominion and sin. And we also have this uh, basic experiential knowledge, basically, within ourselves. We know this in ourselves, that the way we were before, we are no longer that way anymore. In our relation to sin, we know we are no longer that way anymore. There is a kind of victory that you have over sin. You are no longer in that bondage to sin. It seems like when the temptation comes, there is a kind of choice brought before you. Do you... Do you want to uh, fall for this temptation or you don't want to fall? But you see it in your life that your flesh tends to be saying fall. But there's a greater power that is coming and saying you have you have the victory over this temptation. So it seems like we ourselves are the ones who just deliberately decide to fall. Because you have seen this victory in your life times and times again. When the temptations come, you know that you have the right to even say no and overcome the temptation it's not like as if you are an unbeliever totally that once the temptation comes you just fall for it you have no power to overcome it you just lock over the sin lock over the loss but there's something that has happened to you you have been crucified that old man has been crucified the body of sin has been annulled you have died in christ and you see this virtue being working out in your life and that is why paul could end up saying in the verse he said also likewise now we also notice something again before i go on to the last statement it says however the life that he lives he lives to god once for it doesn't there, there's we see an absence of once for all in the last statement that he says you remember he said because the death he died he once died to sin he died at once for all but now he's saying the life that he lives to God. There's no once for all inside this statement. Why? Because he's saying that this is a present continuous tense. We go on living. The life that Christ goes on living, goes on living to God. So this is not a once for all thing. It's a continuous thing to eternity. This is, a, this is not something that has one, happens once for all. That people take it mechanically. They finish work movement and says obviously they bring their logic and says obviously since christ died once for all then obviously we should take it that he lived once for all so the basic thing is that christ has done everything all you just have to do is put your faith in jesus christ so whether your your life is being changed or not everything has happened once for all there's nothing that you need to do there's nothing that you need to go towards in sanctification but no paul says no forever and ever we are to go on living this new life unto God. Because the life Christ is living. Christ is not living once for all. Christ didn't just live once for all. Christ is still living again. They didn't say he lived once for all for all of us. No. He goes on living. And the life that he goes on living, he lives to God. In the same way we ourselves, we go on living. We that are in Christ Jesus, we go on living. And we'll go on living that life to God in this our earthly area. That's why I've said again, 
They say we are not to live the rest of our lives to the lust of men. We are going to go on living our life, the rest of our lives, to the will of God. We are to go on living our, the rest of our life to the will of God. So it's not once for all something. This is something that we go on doing all throughout our lifetime. Now, it says also likewise, because you have been convinced of all these truths. Likewise, because he once died to sin, died once for all. The life he goes on living, lives to God. We also likewise consider ourselves dead indeed to sin. And to go on living to God in Christ Jesus. So you see, Paul says again, go on considering, go on reckoning. So what Paul is saying, he uses the present continuous tense. So the basic thing that we are to go on doing is that we come to these facts and we look over them over and over again. Go on convincing ourselves of this truth. We consider them. The, this, this is like a logisma. That is the Greek word, logisma. So we go on. We look over the facts. We consider them. And we make them. So you see the way Paul says. Paul goes on as I've been t- telling you. Paul says we go on knowing this. We know this. We know this fact. Then if we know this fact, we believe it. Now, if you believe it, you bring it to the experiential knowledge. And Paul says, also likewise, consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. And go on living to God in Christ Jesus. However, go on living to God in Christ Jesus. So, you take yourself of this fact. How do you want to have victory over sin in your life? How do you want to be convinced of the victory over sin in your life? People who are suffering to addictions, maybe addictions of lust, addictions to pornography, addictions to uh, to gossip, addictions to food. What is it saying here? Look over this fact. Consider yourselves. When you look over this fact, then you actually reckon yourself and be indeed dead to sin. You can do it by saying this to yourself because you know it, you believe it, then you go on, as it says, because we believe this, therefore we spoke. So you go on believing this, you now said, no, we consider ourselves actually dead indeed to sin. Then you go on living in Christ Jesus. That is the way you have victory to sin. You consider yourself, you know this fact. These are true in the spiritual sense. You have you are in union with Christ. You have been united with Him. You go on believing that. Because that is essential. You have to go on believing this part. You don't stop for one moment and say, No, I no longer believe this part. Because you start seeing some changes in your life going on towards the other part that you go on living to the old man again. No. You convince yourself of this truth. You go over them, go over them this part. Christ has been raised up. No longer dies. The death is no longer being his Lord. So sin is no longer, I'm no longer enslaved to sin. Death is no longer my Lord. Righteousness is my Lord. Life is my Lord. So when you imagine yourself, you reckon it, you consider it, you consider everything, all this truth, then you reckon yourself indeed dead to sin. However, to go on living to God in Christ Jesus. Not like as if you live to the will of man. Not like as if you live to the lust of men. Not like as if you live to the lust of the flesh. You what? Go on living to God. Because that is the only thing that matters. You go on living to your master. You go on living according to his will. In where? In Christ Jesus. Not outside of Christ. 
the, you don't go out doing this and in, in to be found in yourself or in a kind of form of legalism works righteousness no you go on living to god in christ jesus that is in christ jesus you have the power to go on living to god because christ himself is living and the life that is living is living to god so you yourself you are in christ as you are in christ you are prepared to what you have in christ jesus that you would consider yourselves indeed of this truth and you would go on living to god in the same christ jesus where you have been immersed where you have been united in where you have been united with him so you go on growing in the grace of our lord jesus christ and you see these truths happening to you let me just end with a prayer heavenly father we thank you lord for your word that has come true to us today we say, O oh Lord, that we have known this part that has come true to us, and we will go on believing it in order to appropriate it to our lives. And if there's any of us, O oh Lord, who is a bondage to anything, who is still fighting, struggling with any addition, O oh Lord, Father, let us consider ourselves indeed dead to sin, because these are facts that you have written in your word, and we believe it. So we consider ourselves indeed dead to sin. And the life that we are going to live in, in the rest of our time here on earth and forever, we go on living to you. Because our Lord Jesus is living the life that he lives to you, to your will. So we too ourselves have that power in him, in him, to go on living to you. And have victory over sin and enjoy victory over sin. Because we have this new man that we have inherited in Christ Jesus. Our old man has been done away. Have been crucified with Christ in his crucifixion. The body of sin has been annulled, it has been destroyed. So we are no longer enslaved to sin. We convince ourselves of this truth, Lord. Keep on bringing this truth to our remembrance. Keep on working in our minds, O Lord, that we may be convinced of this fact and really consider ourselves to be dead in sin. To you alone be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.